I don't know how you feel about Christmas, but uh, I love it. But here's what I know for many of us, we, if we somehow were able to draw, I don't know if you can draw, I cannot. Uh, but if we were to draw out our picture, what's currently right now in our heads of what Christmas looks like, uh, the original Christmas. Some of us would, would draw out nativity scenes and would be, oh, precious and wonderful. But do you know that the original Christmas, like the original one, was full of chaos and darkness? I mean, I know it sounds weird, like, but baby Jesus, right? Baby Jesus. Like, what was going on around everything was, was horrible. There, there were wars and there were rumors of wars. There was tension around everybody. There was oppression going on. You had, you had the Romans and the Jews constantly at, at odds. People were cheating each other. It was a mess. It was scary. It was full of constant worry and anxiety and pressure. And it was a mess. Then, put into that, this young teenage girl who's pregnant with her fiancé, and, and they're traveling. And I know maybe it was like, yeah, yeah, Mary and Joseph, right? They're going to Bethlehem to have Jesus. That's not why they went to Bethlehem. You, can we be, they went to Bethlehem because the government made them go. And I know many of us love doing what the government says to do. But most of us complain about it. You need to know in the midst of all that we have crafted out, and I'm not hating on that. But the true thing going on in the midst of the Christmas story was a ton of darkness. You know, we talk about in Christmas the, the, the wondering and the waiting for presents, and that's usually like good anticipation. Like uh, my kids have regularly referred uh, to, to that Christmas is nearby, and it's not so we can celebrate Jesus. It's um, present time is coming. That's what they should just start saying. And there's wondering and, and waiting, and, and many of us, that, that's good in anticipation, but let me speak on behalf of the majority of us. The majority of us have the negative wondering and waiting going on, where you have something in your life that you are wondering about, you are waiting on, and there's like this darkness that kind of has come over it. Maybe you've got news that, that you don't know what to do with. Maybe you're looking at your marriage and, and wondering and waiting, are, are we, are we going to last? Are we going to make it? Maybe, maybe it's a kid of yours that you're like, you're wondering and waiting. Like, how do I help them be all that God ever wanted them to be? Maybe it's just life in general and you're looking at your future and you have a lot of wondering and waiting going, I don't see a lot of light there. I think the Christmas story, if you go after the Christmas story for the truth of it, we can learn. Because in the midst of all the darkness I just described to you, yay, there was something written about Christmas that you ought to see. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Written approximately 700 years before Jesus would show up, before light would show up. It was a dark time. And if you ever look at the Christmas story, there is a lesson for each one of us, a powerful lesson, but you got to be willing to learn it. But this whole thing about light and darkness, 
I don't know if you remember, or maybe you're still there. I don't know if most adults won't admit this, but uh, darkness makes us vulnerable. I know someone's like, nope, that's just when I was a kid. But you still turn lights on when you go to the basement. You still get a little antsy when it's dark. And it's amazing that when you can be in a room that you're comfortable in normally or an environment, you're like, I'm totally cool with this. But as soon as it becomes dark, we become eight-year-olds a little bit, and we go back to, I feel kind of vulnerable, and, and all of these lies start to surface, like, it gets dark, you're like, I bet there's 10 ninjas out there waiting for me, right? The weird stuff starts to kind of unfold, and, and the lies, and the fears, and the, oh, what's going to happen? In fact, I thought I'd tell you a, a wonderfully embarrassing story about myself. Uh, one time, and I don't even remember, I've, I've asked my family when what I'm about to tell you happened, none of them remember. So it's just a childhood scar that I have. Uh, so uh, we were somewhere at some carnival. At some point, our family likes to get together. Maybe your family's together for Christmas. Our family was together, and we went to this carnival fair thing, and we're all going, and there, and there was this haunted kind of a thing. that It was like this ride, but it wasn't a ride. It was an experience, and someone thought it would be a good idea for all of us, including me, an eight-year-old kid, to join them as we went into this haunted whatever. So we go into this room, and, and the idea was this, was that we were about to walk through this place and, you know, get a little scared, and most of us were not optimistic that this would work. I don't know if you've ever been in a haunted house or, or someone says, I'm going to scare you, and you're like, whatever. So that's how we were. We go into the room, everything's good, and, and then a guy on an intercom just starts to talk to us and kind of tell us, What's about to play out? Hey, you're about to go into this room and this other area you're going to walk through and blah, 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 blah. And he goes, but I just a little bit of a warning. Now, remember, I'm an eight-year-old. And he goes, I just have one warning. And it's a classic, right? Like the movie scene. I just have one thing, just one, to tell you. Uh, there's rats all through this place. So I'm like, I'm eight. I don't know what the big deal is about rats. Um, then he begins to tell me and all of us over the intercom that if we get bitten by by one of these rats, we will die. Remember when you were super impressionable and you were like, well, then I don't want to get bitten by one of those rats. That's okay. As we go through this maze of things, I won't be bitten. Yeah. And then mid-sentence, the lights went out. At first, I played it cool. I was like, whatever. Now, when I say the lights went out, you need to know there, there were not any windows. Like, you, you if in the moment, you could not see anything. Your hand in front of your face, classic darkness. And at first, I'm like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Just <clears throat> open up the door so we can go through the maze. And we're waiting. And then we start to hear rats. Now, again, <clears throat> I'm eight years old, and it appears as though these are real rats. I really appreciate that the guy warned us about it, by the way. I'm really appreciative of that. And I begin to hear rats, and I know some of you are like, are you serious? Like, this is no big deal. Again, open the door, let's go through the maze. Well, then I felt something on my foot. And I went from being rather brave at the very beginning when the lights were on, going, oh, I won't even be scared, to where then I felt another thing on my foot, and I couldn't see it. You could look down, still couldn't see it. And after the third rat, I did what a brave young man should do. I, 
felt someone's back, and hopped on it. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking, and I didn't just hop on it, and you know this, I'm not going, I'm not quiet. I'm screaming at the top of my eight-year-old voice, help me, help me, screaming that they would turn the lights on, like screaming, crying, like turn the lights back on. I'm thinking, well, I mean, whoever I'm holding on to, well, they're going to die first and I can stand on top of them. And I know it's family, but you know, family, you know, fights for each other and, and I'm just latched on and I'm screaming and screaming and screaming and like every good ride, it stops with the lights just boom on. I realize that I'm choking my aunt out. (laughs) She's not saying anything because she can't breathe. (laughs) And what I realize after I slowly kind of leave her, there are no rats. And it's that moment where even as an eight-year-old, I was slightly (laughs) embarrassed and I have probably emotional scars from that moment. That's why I can tell you details, right? I think it's a good example, though, of you and I. When life feels dark, and then you hear a lie. You don't know it's a lie. But when life feels dark, when your marriage is struggling, and you you hear this, oh, they don't love you anymore. When your kid is off, not on the path you want them to be on, oh, they're never going to get better. When you mishear something at work and it's already feeling like it's not a great place and all of a sudden everyone hates you. Or school where you feel like everyone begins to hate you. You know that we all have this, by the way. These, these in dark moments, this pressure that creeps in and we begin to hear lies and we begin to buy the lies that makes it even more dark. And we begin to hope someone somewhere, something, some light's going to happen. Do you know that your problem is not your circumstances? Just for a second, some of you are disagreeing with me immediately right off the bat. (laughs) Your problem isn't your circumstances, because listen, all of us have circumstances. The problem is the darkness in your circumstances. So I'll ask you a question. Um, Where do you get your light? When you have this stuff, like when you, when you don't know what to do or, 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 or where to go or, or how to process stuff and you're like, I'm not exactly sure how to play this out. And like, like where, where do you go? Many of us are like, it's easy. I met her. She's the light in my life. Or, or it's him. You have a significant other. In fact, right now you're nudging. You're like, hmm, you're my light. Some of you are like, wish I had a light. <laughs> Some of us, um, it's our kids, right? It's our kids. So, you know what? You, just, you love to see them and be around them and watch them do whatever they do. And you're like, you know, my kids are the, are the light in my life. And, and, and I'm not hating on this, by the way. I'm just, I'm just pointing out, if you make a list of, of where you and I get light... In, in our lives, the things that kind of bring us hope and joy. You're, you make your list. Some of you are like, no, it's really none of that. It's my job. I love making money. The more I make, the better I feel about life. And, right? or, or, or just um, just encouragement, right? Come on. When, when someone actually talks to you and says something nice about you, even though some of us are like, oh, stop it. Bring more. But stop. Yep. 
Usually, when someone encourages us, affirms us, it feels like the day got a, a little less dark, right? Whoever is on your list, and I'm, you can make a list. I have a list, okay? Okay. Uh, whoever is on your list of, of, of who brings light into your life, I have news. Nobody is perfect. Which, by the way, is a problem because you don't have a perfect person in your Okay, here, we got to make sure that we're all on the same page. Are we all aware, show of hands, would you agree that no human being is perfect? Just show of hands, just need to make, okay. I was worried that some of us were like, no, I think I'm perfect. No, no, no. Um, okay, nobody is perfect. Listen, but you need someone who's perfect. The fact that there is nobody who's perfect is true, it's real. Some of us are like, good, I'm glad church people don't think they're perfect. This is good, this is helpful for me. No, nobody is perfect, but that does not change the fact that you need perfect. You and I are in need of it. Because you and I have moments where we don't know what to do, we don't know where to go, we aren't sure about the future or even the past or the present, and we're like, I need someone to show up. You still need it. In fact, here's my best example. Here's how life works. <laughs> we start off young, and we're like, I met this girl. Guys, she loves me too. She got, come meet her. Oh. She texted me that we're broke up. <laughs> but we're still ambitious, right? We're still, we're like, you know what, I'm not going to swear off dating yet. And, and you meet someone else and you're like, you're amazing. No, you're weird. You're out. <laughs> right. Then by I don't know how many uh, lights it takes you to realize, you're like, I'm done with the dating. I'm done. I'm no, no more. I'm going to focus on, on school and it's going to give me everything I ever dreamt, this degree or not. Some of us right now, we don't tell a lot of people this, but some of us have degrees that you're not using and you're like, don't, I'm still paying for that match. Um, <laughs> am I speaking anyone's language right now, right? But just so you know, this is what we do with life. We look for people and things and, and for moments, there's, there's some warmth there, right? There's some light there. It's good, but no one is perfect. And many of us, this is how we walk life. From moments of light to moments of darkness to moments of light to moments of darkness. And do you know where that leads us? To becoming jaded, skeptical, broken, hurt people who begin to look at life going, there is no more good, there is no more hope. What? I tell you that nobody is perfect, but there is an asterisk to that. See, the Bible tells us, God speaks this, that there actually is hope. Um, let me read this to you. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness can never extinguish it. The darkness can never extinguish this light that it's talking about. I don't know if you've ever read the Bible, been to church, whatever. But according to the Bible, if you haven't read it, it speaks of a light that is designed for your darkness that no one, nothing can actually extinguish that light. If you have any kind of intellectual honesty still in your brain, you should say, all right, I'm willing, I'm open. Like, I, if, if there is a light that won't break up with me, if there's a light that won't fire me, if there's, if there's a light that won't be all based on behavior and performance and money, like if there's something that never gets extinguished, sign me up. And we know, we know that light. Jesus claimed to be that light. Let me read this to you. Uh, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. I mean, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. If you're a person who believes that all roads lead to the same place, all religions are the same, it doesn't matter, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus spoke very directly. I just quoted him. He very specifically said that he is the light that cannot be extinguished. And I wonder, as you've been looking maybe for wisdom or just flat out hope in the midst of tough times, where are you going for your light, your hope? And Jesus just said, Jesus is the hope of the world. No matter what you walk through now, if you are a professing Christian saying, yes, but you still have circumstances, have you let Christmas remind you that Jesus is the hope of the world. If you've never followed Jesus, if, if this whole idea is foreign to you or you're skeptical about it, Jesus has claimed to be the hope of the world. So I'll turn it into a question for you. Um, have you made Jesus your hope? Or are you going to continue to rely on fallible options that will have moments where you are, uh, what's the nicest way to say this, let down? I'm not telling you <laughs> to cut off all relationships. I'm telling you that there is a hope that doesn't have to be extinguished. In fact, I think it's worth our time to even go back into uh, the Christmas story because inside of the Christmas story is a how do we do this? Because, I mean, sometimes we get a little frou-frou in church, okay? Where we're like, hey, Jesus is your light. <laughs> and we leave going, what do I do with that? I'm just saying what you're thinking, okay? So let me... Let me take you into the Christmas story and you will see how to respond, what to do with the fact, the truth, that Jesus is the hope of the world. He, he is your hope, your light. How do you actually respond? Let's, let's go into the actual Christmas story. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. If you ever wonder why, who cares who's king? King Herod... Um, 
was a horrible man. He was a murderer. He hated, and that's how he led with hate. About the time, at that time some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, you remember the Magi, the three kings, whatever you call them, but these are these guys, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Hmm? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. We have come to worship him. There's your key. Now, okay, it's, it's my role in life to help the Bible get a little bit more clear. More like, okay, how do I press this into my life? So let me help you by, by just studying these guys. Okay, here's what it, this is. This, you, you're going to want to write this down. Okay, the guys went from one place to another. You're welcome. Okay, let's look deeper. These guys, they were in comfort. They were in normal. They were in their life. They, they were in their, in, their, in their place. And the way the Bible says they, they were far away. They were far away. Maybe you felt that before. Maybe you've been far away from God. Or it just, he seemed distant. The idea of God just seemed like, I'm not sure what to do with that. Maybe your darkness has made you wonder, is God even near me anymore? Is he even doing anything in my life at all? And, and you've got this. So these guys... They got up, and they followed a star from what we have. That's the information, is they followed a star, and they, and they traveled, and they traveled, and we know it was a long way, and they traveled, and they traveled, and they finally get to Jerusalem asking for directions. Um, that's novel. And then, and then they still have to keep searching and searching, and, and they land in the, what you and I know as the nativity scene. They land there, they're with Jesus. I don't mean to break your heart. Um, he wasn't quite a baby probably at that time, a little bit older, but, but still. And, and you know what they do is they bring sacrifices to him. They brought sacrifices. They, they took what was valuable to them. Listen to me. They took what was valuable to them and gave it to Jesus. We often say the Bible is alive. What we mean by that is the Bible speaks to you and I because God speaks to you and I. Let the Christmas story walk its way into your soul and use these guys that got up from their current life. They went to Jesus and they gave to Jesus what was valuable to them. The way to apply this is if you right now have, have darkness in your life, whatever that might be, maybe this Christmas instead of just uh, opening up presents or eating fantastic food or, or whatever you've got planned, maybe you'll take a moment this Christmas and say, you know what? I need to go to Jesus because he's my light for my darkness. He's my hope. You know that's how hope is. Hope, hope doesn't just sit there and knock on, on, on your door. No, no, hope is something you need to go take and grab and press it in. Have, have you done that? Maybe, maybe you haven't ever decided to follow Jesus and that's completely foreign to you. But, but now you're like, you know what? I've got this. I want, I want Jesus to be my life. If, if he's, 
not extinguishable, if he's not going to abandon me, if he's not going to reject me, if he's actually going to, with open arms, say, I love you, and if you want to bring him into your life and, and let him be the light for your path, the Bible says that very specifically, he will light your path for you. You don't have to live in constant wondering, what's the purpose of life? What do I do with my life? Jesus can bring that light. So here's what I'd like us to do. I think a, a sermon should be something you can take with you and apply with you and walk it out in life. It shouldn't be, no idea what he said, uh, but we went to church on Christmas. Um, we have several of, of these. Here's what this is. Uh, I'm going to invite you. I'm, I'm going to pray with you before I do this, just for those of you who are like, when, when, if you have never invited Jesus into your life and let him light up your darkness, I'm going to invite you to do that. So I'm going to pray, and then, and then you are invited to come up front and, and take one of these lights, turn it on, and set it right on the front of the stage. Uh, history tells us about church, but it goes way back. There's this idea of an altar. If you know what an altar is, it, it was basically where you would bring a sacrifice. You, you would bring what was important to you and give it to God. It's a big deal. So here's what I'd like to do. I, I want to pray with you. And when I say amen, if you want to invite Jesus in your life, if you pray the prayer I pray with you, I want you to come up and take a light and signify just like the, the wise men did. They didn't stay where they were. You notice that? Sometimes in church we do that. I know, I know. Sometimes we come and we sit in a seat and we just stay put there. No, no, no. What if we do this? What if we do this? What if we behaved out what we believe? So here's what I'd like to do. If you, if you would, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just to free you up from distraction. That's the only purpose. It doesn't make a, a prayer more spiritual but I, I want to pray with you and if you've never invited Jesus into your life or if you did as a kid and you don't remember or you, you ran away from him um, I, I want, to, want to help you just privately silently you can speak this to God God I'm sorry for my sins and I invite you into my life to forgive me and to bring light into my darkness God, would you, would you fill me up? Lord, I believe that, that you love me, that you, that you will come into my life and save me. So Lord, I, I ask that you would do that, that you would actually come into my life now and I'm gonna follow you. I'm not gonna do it perfectly, God, but I invite you into my life. And I decide today to follow you to be about you, I am yours now. And you are my light. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of us. Whether we've prayed that kind of a prayer years ago or that's the first time. Lord, thank you for meeting us in this Christmas season. Thank you for saving us Thank you for dealing with our darkness. We love you and we are so grateful for you. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here's what I'd like you to do. Very simple. There's a card on the back of the seats. It's a special Christmas one. Uh, That card uh, has a place for you to write your name. I don't think that Jesus ever said, hey, I'd like you to follow me and be anonymous about it. (laughs) So here's what I'd like you to do. If you prayed that prayer with me, I'd like you to write your name on it and bring it up front. And then they'll give you a light and you turn that light on and you mark this moment. You mark this moment as a moment you decided to follow Jesus and to let him be in your life. So take that card, write your name on it. In fact, let me help us. Sometimes we just need more directions. Let me count down. When I say one, it's your turn. Three, two, one.